I'm Lindsay. And this is episode 34 of Ningyo Bingo. Where you keep collecting dolls. But you never seem to win the game. Except for when you're Becca and you make me laugh right before we do our intro because you said something silly at the end of our cow talk. Well, shucks. They're never going to hear it now. They'll never know. <laughs> They'll never know what crude, awful, terrible joke I made to you. It wasn't crude nor awful. It was actually really dumb. <laughs> it worked anyway. This is this is how I work. This is this is how I roll. And this is Ningyo Bingo, where we talk about all sorts of things doll related. Yes, very much so. <laughs> um, so so last episode we teased what this episode would be, but 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 I wanted to very briefly because we didn't talk about it in the last episode, which will ostensibly possibly maybe be the October episode. I okay. wanted to ask you, Lindsay, do oh. you, or I guess perhaps in the viewer's eyes, did you have any Halloween costumes for your dolls? I barely have clothes for my dolls as it is. Oh, no. <laughs> so the answer is no. Crimes. Crimes, <laughs> crimes, crimes. I, part of the reason why I am trying not to get more human-shaped dolls, which can't just be beautiful in their own right, like the she is dragon, dragon, is that I desperately need to clothe all of them. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that does, um, at least the twins can kind of share their wardrobe. Yeah, but their wigs are too big, and I really need a bit of wig on them, and they're not really there yet, and the girl that you and Ashford uh, talked me into aggressively made me buy, um, <laughs> she doesn't really have the proper wardrobe yet, and I have a whole Bastrix boy who is not appropriate yet. He has, he has, he has unfinished pants and a shirt, and there's a whole thing that he needs technically that I have in my brain and I have not made yet. Halloween is not even there yet. Oh, no. Appropriate shifts, seasonal shifts. It's not part of the the collection right now. Oh no! But what think, about you? So at the time when I started, my you started collecting later than I did, which was when you started having more adult responsibilities. Um, let's be real. I started. I think. I think I found the hobby first. You bought first, and right. that's like the leapfrog. Yes. Um, so when when I got it, I was still in college, so I had more time to sew. Um, so because of this, one of the first things I ever sewed for the dolls was out of the Volks um, pattern book, which was their Halloween-themed one. So Maya has a witch's outfit. Oh, that's right. I forgot that was one you made. Yeah. It's extremely um, cute. So in addition to this... Um, I recently, although he's kind of sat, been sitting in it, Felix, um, which is a jury 2016? No, gotta be earlier than that. Much earlier than that. 2007? 2014? No, because it was before we left college, so... Oh, gosh, it was like a 2008, 2007. 2005? The 2005 no. releases? No, I think it's actually a 06. I think 05 was the original release of jury. And then, and then 06, 06 was the second year, which I think is this one. And I have the, you have the B and I have the A. No, B and A came later. This was before there was oh, a B this was before a. that one. Yes. Right. Anyway. Oh, so, six jury. So I got this alchemist set from uh, Volks this year, which was part of the. Oh, that's really cute. I, I did a terrible thing this year. Um, a wonderful, terrible thing, which was I actually, I, we always say keep calling collecting dolls, but keep a budget. But this year I actually sat there and 
had to stop and count the amount of money I had spent this year on dolls because with COVID happening, it was like a lot of things to look at and just buy to make myself feel good, and I needed to. Mm-hmm. Because you get the you get the cycle. We have a whole episode about this, folks. You can go listen to it. Anyway, so this is part of the doll budget <laughs> for the year, uh, which is now cut off, um, which is. The That's Alchemist fair. set from Volks, um, which fits a little loosely oh, on him because he's less cute. chubby. But the, with him, I also got this little glowing Tinkerbell that I found on, like, a random bridge uh, around the Swan and Dolphin in Disney World that lights up. Oh, cool. So with the combination of this and the little scholar hat he has from the Alchemist set, he now kind of looks like a scholar from Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, that's so exciting! Yeah, no, it's quite good, quite good. Um, I demand photographic evidence. Oh, yeah, how did I not do this? I don't know. <laughs> I, this must have gone my Instagram. I, I blame you, you're not following me close enough. Um, I, what? Okay, uh, then <laughs> the one time I went to Dollism... Oh, this is my fault that you do, usually you send me these things directly. <laughs> When? I don't think it's on Instagram. I would you? I what's what's your Instagram? Wait, no, this is a what? You I follow you. On, my, do, you follow do me? Do I? You do. Do I? I send messages to you on Instagram. I don't pay attention to Instagram messages. I send you. I send you links of pretty things that you should look at often. I don't. Are you sure? I'm relatively certain. On Instagram? Did I say Instagram? Yes. Which which one is it? Uh, are you talking Twitter? Or are you talking Instagram? No, I'm totally talking Instagram. I don't think I follow. What? Who are you saying this to? No, I swear because if what I... is your... wait, this is sorry, folks. This is work. What? What's your Instagram? Well, I shouldn't ask what your Instagram handle is okay, here. Like you'll so ever want to know. This okay? I see you as. I'm going to ping you, and I'm hitting send. Okay. All right. Oh, it's that name. Oh, you do send me... Th- I don't share my things on Instagram! Okay, okay, okay. Anyway. Okay, then I have actually two more Halloween costumes uh, for my dolls. One is way back from when I went to Dollism in... 2016? When it was in New York City? I can't remember. New York... New York State. It was... Uh, also, the Niagara picture Falls. you sent was from a while ago. And also, it's... Very shadowy, so hard to see. Is <laughs> so it there? Could I send it to you, or is it just you in my? Send it to me. I just saw it in your feed. <laughs> okay, okay. In other words, my pic- my photography skills suck. Okay, or is there a shirt? Send it to me on Discord. Okay, if you want me to see it. Fine. Okay, so then, so that's then... resolved. Sorry. <laughs> so Sarah has uh, a, a cool like ball gowny thing inspired by uh, the concept of masquerade combined with fandom which was for the dollism so i remember you doing that so i made her a a whole big ball gown dress uh based upon full metal alchemist um which involved her having one silver glove and one normal glove um hand so actually hand sewed two gloved hands for dolls Mm mm-hmm um, so that was cool. Yeah. And finally, for my mini Super Dolphy, I have a kind of like a Kiki Rumi that's... A, you helped me shop for the, the felt and stuff for it, which is based off of Muko from Lovely Muko from anime 
love and fandom. Oh, that one. I remember that. It's the dog. Yeah, so I I made that. Um, partially when I was hanging out with you, I think. I can't remember. I at least shopped for it when I was with you. I don't remember this, but also I believe you. Yeah, we were together. We went to your local um, Joann's and... I got oh, like a blank my shirt. Is big. Yeah, yeah. I got a blank shirt, and I got this uh, cool, the, this cool felty stuff that was fuzzy on one side, not fuzzy on the other side. Yes. Anyway, moral of the story is, you need doll clothes. <laughs> I do. I need to just do that. I don't know why. That's the part of the hobby. I like spending money on BJD. Is that my top top hobby focus usually? Yeah. yeah. Um, that so would be... this part does really the problem. That, <laughs> that would be. Buying RPGs. Tabletop RPGs, yes. TTRPGs. Yes, right now for the past few years. Um, I do need to get on top of that. So yeah. they, they can look their best. Like, they haven't reached their final form yet, and I've had them forever. They haven't even reached their final form. No, seriously, that is that is the vibe. <laughs> They're not there yet. There is, there is a, a, a place I would like, I have in my brain for them. And they are not here yet. It took me forever to get even a wig for the Bastard's Boy because he has a weird fucking pinhead. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I keep ruining our ability to, to, to not have the explicit tag on our podcast. That, it, 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 it's, isn't it the amount of times you say that? I don't know. <laughs> something, something, more than once, you get one for free for your PG 13. But we do have a very important topic today. Yes. I'm extremely excited to talk about unrestricted by any such morales. Right. And I'm very excited to talk about it because, well, so, like, I made our last two um, before last month's, at this point, episode releases were April and May. And as I was releasing these... um, Everything I was doing and everything I was trying to do with these dolls, the podcast and everything, started to feel very trivial because the entirety of the United States was in an uproar. Is. Yeah, it still is, still is as of October and still probably will be as of November. Um, as people, despite um, COVID. And took, pandemic and everything. Took to the streets, sometimes in mass, sometimes in not. Still and, do. And still stood, do. They're just not reported. And stood in protest of police brutality and uh, racial and profiling. Yeah. And and I watched images as people threw gas canisters into peaceful protesters. I watched full videos of um, people being brutally beaten and then the officer trying to say that the other person threw the punch first but the thank god the surrounding crowd was videotaping the officer's assault on that person showing that he just went mad on the other one and this is not new this is not a new issue people just being held people being held for hours held for hours hours this is with nothing them doing nothing and because they said nothing and and being released after being battered, broken, zip-tied, pulled together, um, dire... No due process. No due process. Peeing themselves on buses because, like, they're just holding them there. Like, that this is... It was insane. And it, and it is insane. 
Um, and it continues to be. There are protests with the Black Lives Matter movement that have been going on without stop every day, somewhere in this country, every day. And it's this really amazing combination of we are done with this, the current environment that we're in that has put it to the forefront and lots of people without work who can actually go out and walk the streets, which is part of what the system of long hour work weeks being pushed by the main government is about. But um, Black Lives Matter. Yes. Straight up Black Lives Matter. Yes, everyone's lives matter, but everyone isn't getting discriminated against. Thereby, we are putting Black Lives to the forefront <laughs> to explain what someone we... has a broken leg and someone else doesn't. And the person with the broken leg says, can I please have specific help for my broken leg? And the person without a broken leg goes, but what about my legs? Yeah, that's that is what you sound like. It's kind of yeah. It's 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 it, yeah. So, <laughs> so if it wasn't clear before, this is the stance that we particularly have on this. And if you do not agree with us, here is the door. Yes, this is our podcast. You may or you may or may not come back to other episodes. You may or may not come back to this podcast. But that's but okay. That is okay. There's and if you other don't people, agree. Stick around a little bit because what we're talking about is very deeply ingrained in the hobby. And it might be something where you've never thought about it before because a lot of people, you grow up not thinking about it because it's not something that affects your daily life in a way that's visible to you. Right. And it might be something, you might learn a little bit of something that you do or something about yourself that you can become, to use the 2020 term, more woke about. Woke is 2019, I think, but... Well, it's still the term in 2020. It's not, it's not, <laughs> woke, it hasn't become unwoke. It is, I think even a better term is anti-racist. Yeah. It is not enough to be just like, racism's bad, it is to actively say, no, this is not all right, and I am going to dismantle the systems that make it ridiculous. But I mean, there is... Step one is woke, step two is activism. Always activism. Yes. Always, there's, no matter how small... You can make a change. And no matter how small, it's important to look at the angle in our hobby that directly connects to this in the history of the design aesthetics that are in the hobby of the ball-jointed doll. So to start, we're just going to talk about um, Asian ball-jointed dolls. Um, That means they are either inspired by or originally are companies that are in um, Japan, China, and Korea, to be specific. A little later, we're going to talk about how black dolls changed America, which is insane when you think about it. Um, But black dolls changed America. And when we're talking about dolls, are we talking about the wider world of not just like the the resin collector but of like the larger children's toy market no uh one specific study that many people might have heard about but there's some interesting things about the study which i think are are worth mentioning um and and it's interesting to you know we always read about it or see it in an article or something but it was interesting actually i actually got to read the full abstract but we'll we'll get to that we'll get that to that in a little bit um yeah, I read full abstracts. It was fun. This is this is this is what I do during camping trips. Just read, <laughs> read scientific abstracts. Did great. you know? Oh, side note: 
JSTOR allows you to have an account and access up to a ridiculous amount of articles for free right now. Oh, snap. I could actually like read monthly. the full... I could read the full you study. read the full gosh darn thing. Well, shit. It is awesome because of the current situation. You can make, a, make an account. You have like 20 articles for free. Wow. Like a month. It is really cool. And I have missed having JSTOR access, which is a journal uh, website where they have, that's one of the biggest ways to access academic journals that are in, like, the humanities. Um, I used to have it at school because I'm a humanities major, and I have missed it, and then I had to look something up. I was like, maybe I can find it in the little abstract piece. And then I was like, Jaster's like, but you can have the whole article for free. And I was like, so excited. Wow. Wow. I think I need to, I think we need to start our, our research for our avatar articles a little bit more. Um, cause there's a lot of studies into, um, digital avatars. So I think a lot of that can, um, that, that aside, <laughs> sorry, I got very excited. I had not had a chance to tell you this. Yes. Yes. Okay. So in the beginning of our hobby, there was white skin and normal skin. That is what snow skin <laughs> and normal skin. Or a variety of poetic terms for, do you want flat white pigment? Or do you want flat white pig pigment with a little pink in it? Yes. Little pink, little yellow. Um, and, like, I guess an argument could be made that the flat white doll was sort of a mimic or taking from the porcelain doll. But that does not remove the problem. No, it does not remove the problem of calling something normal skin. When it's the skin of a particularly jaundiced white person. Yes. Now, we have in the past discussed um, uh, not body autonomy. Um, um, like identity or, or like um, like physical form like fatness and musculature and the gaze and, and, and femininity and versus masculinity and pigments and stuff. So, so today we're going to be t particularly focusing in on pigmentation um, and our hobby and colorism in general. Yes. So, in the beginning, with this um, paradigm. Uh, Volks also ended up having what was called sunlight skin. As similar skin tones were introduced in other doll brands, which are often heavier pigmented, they were what's called tanning skin. So once again, not calling it a person's honest-to-goodness brown skin tone. Like It's tanned. It's tanned. It's not someone's normal you skin tone. You were pale. You can go back to being pale. Right. But you're tanned right now. No, this is your summer episode. This is your summer your summer coloration. Yes. Why are we so afraid of the word brown? <laughs> brown, black, any of these. Um sisters, you can just be like, if you're going to go colors, go white, pink. Some some people some companies do go pink. Yeah. Or white. they call it I've seen normal pink or normal yellow. I don't the know if actually is That seen. normal word is a yeah. problem. There's like normal pink. And then why not just be like, oh, another color word? Brown. No, it's sunkissed and tanned. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which yep. is like even in 
like there is an angle because we're talking about folks right now, right? And and that it's, and it's a Japanese just... co- it's a Japanese company in a Japanese context. That does not mean Japan doesn't have colorism issues. I don't. I don't think even at that time they had apologized publicly to the um, Ainu at at that point. <laughs> it's not was... even. It's not even about just the Ainu. Yeah, it's about every Chinese, Korean. Black, uh, Middle Eastern, Iranian person who lives in that country. Yeah, yeah. All the brown folks who genuinely live there as like and have been for many generations, and the colorism that exists in in the beauty industry and other such places. If you want to look deeper into that particular angle. Yeah. So, but no, it's it's tanned. It's fine because being tanned is sexy because you can always go back. Oh yeah, and it's look at you. You had the opportunity to get all this color on your skin. Isn't that nice? Oh, you went to the beach. Look at you. You got so much color, and it's just like. And then, but it, regardless, it was in context. It was like we're moving towards. We want different something different. Yeah, there is a demand for something that isn't the pale porcelain yes. but we're calling it tanned now to be for example I got my sunlight skin um renewal skin uh Volks F21 in 2008 when I got her she matches my skin which I largely identify as Caucasian of some sort. <laughs> yes. Some flavor. Yeah, I'm a slightly more olivey Caucasian, but I am certainly not like like I do not have deep notes of the Mediterranean. Not at all. No. I am largely Caucasian. Um so like there so that the was... needle moved, but not just but just the barest amount. Yes. So uh, I don't know, around two... I, I didn't write down the date for these guys, but before other retailers did it, um, other companies, one of the first people to actually put a little bit more pigment in was Lutz, and by virtue, actually, Cerberus Project at the time, that sculpting group. Uh, I believe Lishy and L were first, but in the end, we had Lishy, So Dark Elf, Chiwu, so uh, oh, I wrote Sardarf Elf twice. Haha. <laughs> Chiwu and L. Um. So, in the end, there was only a few of them that they released like that. Um. Almost every time we see a release like this, um, they mentioned, oh, there might be marbling in the skin and things like that. You might not get significant color throughout when you sand the doll it might create lighter areas you need to be careful because if it's just a light colored one if you make um lighter portions it's going to stand out more um so these were called tanning skin again and they were darker but they still were not black um they were still not I, they were browner but they were still on the tan side um, however, it was the first doll. Uh, there was one collector on Den of Angels. It was Lishy, tan skin, was the first doll that 
one collector used as a store. And the only point at which she relinquished that doll as Storm, and by the way, these dolls sold for a very, very much. First editions kind of kept their color pretty good. The second releases kind of greened a little, and then I think they did a third release to kind of cover that up. Okay. Uh, so the second doll, which came out around 2007, so we know all the, the, the Lishi must have come out before that, is the Eiffel House Kokori. And around between 2007 and 2008 was the first male doll, Aaron. That was such a big deal at the time. So in so these dolls still had the slightly exaggerated features of the um, ball-jointed dolls at the time, which was larger eyes, um, mouths, and things like that for the face size uh, relative. Um, but they also had um, what you would consider to be facial features that you would find on African or African-American um, black people. Um, the slightly flatter nose, um, the male had pronounced flatter, wider lips, um, but not in a, I wouldn't say like in a stereotypical way, but in like a way that they studied It was realistic. Models. Yes. Like they looked at a gosh darn person and went, right. that's what a black person looks like. Which is the first time. And then time. they took that and went, let's make it into a doll. And it was the first time, like the fandom at that point had genuinely been clamoring for these partially because it was novel but partially because people wanted things that looked like themselves right um, and it was such a big deal when Ipple House was like yes we have formulated a darker pigmentation for our resin like our resin sort of mix we have made a person who looks like a black person yes and 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 to be to of, of note um the other way back machine, I confirmed that they actually also had what was called tanned so-ri, S-O-O-R-I. So they had that kind of like, like tan color, mm -hmm. um, but they hadn't actually had the dark brown color. So Kokori, uh, you can hear it in her name, the color of her skin, um, was released um, shortly thereafter, Aaron was also released. Um, the person who had the Lutz Lushy for Storm sold her, I believe, and and uh, took in Kokori. These dolls cost a lot more, and they all and they still called them tanned via the uh, the sure, the Volks Volks and Delph. Yeah, uh, even though style. like I would like to see somebody tanned to that color. That's a uh, that's an achievement. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't, I mean, granted. How long have you been in the tanning bed to be this brown? Granted, some pe people who are black do tan. They do get Everyone deeper. tan. Yeah, they do get All people tan. All, all people tan. Um, so, yes, they could conceivably tan to that color. But you but know what I like, mean. It's pussyfooting around just committing to, here is a brown person. <laughs> yes. So, uh, these... Kokori, when they launched, according to the Wayback Machine, was $770. Normal releases of dolls was $583. You had to pay a premium to be a black person. Looks into the camera. <laughs> um, so what... The, the way that resins work and the way I've often been told is why it's dark, harder to put pigments in is because it's fast setting, um... 
You kind of need to mix it all up. Make sure that the pigment is even throughout. Pour it into the mold, into the two part. Pour the two parts in the mold. Make sure it's mixing in there right, or pre-mix it and then pour it in the mold. And hope that you get no streaking or swirling of the colors and all the pigment mixed throughout correctly. Which means you might have more off-casts if they contain streaking or marbling. Um, I've been also told recently, perhaps that maybe due to updates in technology and things like that, that that's not as much of an issue anymore with that resin. But I can't, I can't say. I haven't had a person that legit pours resin themselves say, yeah, no, that that's not a thing anymore. Um, so I don't know. But it is worth noting that technological issues aside, it is very similar to the quote-unquote problem with cameras where there is a um, technological bias in a camera towards pale color, pale people to render their skin properly. because Not because the technology cannot do a black person's skin, but because the sensors have been tweaked towards more, like having more range in those pale zones specifically for pale skin and rendering it than to browner, blacker tones. Yeah, a lot of... Well, the technology uh, is is sort of like working against you, but it's not by accident. Yeah. And resin might have a technology to it, but if they really are thinking in terms of let's create a doll for all kinds of people, it would not be limiting in the way that it is. So... Speaking about creating a doll for all types of people, that kind of brings me to, although there has been more releases by Eiffel House and other companies and um, Chinese and Korean companies that are third-part casters, casting resins in all colors of the skin, and even deep, true black resins, which are really freaking so cool. cool. There's, But we've also got green, we got blue, we got purple. Yeah, we got all these things. But I, I mean, it shows that, that you can do a deep dark, pure tone very well. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you're going to get streaking in resin if you just committed to like, how about black? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, there was one limited doll. Oh my gosh, I can't remember what it was from. Might have been a Soom? Soom does out. weird things. Might have been a Soom that came out and was just pure black with gold accents on the top. It was Oh, it's so cool. Quite cool. I used it for I used it for my concept for one of my uh characters for Vampire the Masquerade. Um they were quite cool. Yeah. Anyway, shout out to that uh, RPG. Um <laughs> So speaking There's about, a new edition, by the way. I, remember we couldn't play it? No, a new new edition. So new since of like winter last year? Oh yeah, no, yes, that one. No, they there's. Um, I'll talk to you about that later. <laughs> okay. I mean, are you sure? I mean, it's hard. yes. <laughs> Things have been backtracked. Um, but um. Oh, interesting. Okay. That, yeah. that was they were still play testing at that point. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Regardless, as um, like it is entirely possible. It looks beautiful. And companies have been slowly moving towards incorporating it more. Right. Which with, is great. With less of a price difference between them, too. Um, or if none. Um, in particular, um, 
Danny Chu, granted we're changing mediums here, we're changing from resin to Asaflex plastic, discontinued, technically. And this is the core vinyl. textile you're talking about. Yes, and vinyl. Um, so these ones, um, he quite famously introduced the, the color dolls um, and the, the uh, darker skin dolls, and they sold very specifically. Well. And I, when I interviewed him, I, I asked him a little bit about that. And it's like, well, I want to sell to the world. So I need to have people that represent what the world is like. You um, can listen to that interview on an earlier episode of Nino Bingo. I sometimes listen to it just so I can increase my ego. Um, <laughs> on bad days, I'm like, look at this it's thing I did. It's a very good interview. I did this thing and it was intelligible and it had good questions and... Um, nice job. Yeah, I, I felt like I I did a good job of asking good, interesting, and social questions without too much badgering um, yes. or making uncomfortable. There is that balance when you're doing an interview. Um, so Danny Chu has done these dolls. I'm trying to remember which one was the first one. I can't remember... He has a wide slew of them at this point. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember what was the one that I wanted for the longest time. Oh no! How am I not remembering her name? She has orange hair. She's so pretty. I have to look her up now. Um, let's see. Smart <laughs> I doll. can't help you. I'm so sorry. Um, gosh darn it. But so one of the things he's done in addition to this has also been to show dolls um, with um, different ranges of birthmarks from Frickles to Vitilego. Um Vitilego has been shown uh, both on a black doll um, and on a doll with creamier skin tones. Um, and it, it displays itself differently depending on what your particular um, complexion is like. Yes. And it's, let's see, okay, I can sort it's by just Coco. It's super stunning um, and has a lot of seeing reticulo, I can't say it very well, um, reticulo is recently is because because representation matters, um, they're very famously a model with reticulo had, be, had sort of shot up into the sort of spotlight for a little while via Vogue magazine and other such places. So the, the black doll with vitiligo, her name is Liberty. Um, the doll that I liked. Uh, I like that. Her name was Justice. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think Ruby might have been one of the first ones out. Ruby, yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, and the, the smart doll I was talking about last month, um, Monday, has a version called Tomorrow, who's out in the cocoa color. Uh, mm -hmm. Once again, same color, different sculpt. But he is working on sculpts that present uh, more, once again, African, African-American features but he's having he's ha especially with the male sculpt he's had trouble balancing having the features look like anime and having the features feel like actually coming out of a the the nuances of the culture and the facial um things that can happen and not look like parody or like or heaven forbid minstrel Yes, that that so he ha he's been working that balance, which is hard to do when you're trying to make it into a cartoon. I mean, 
Look it's at, not hard. It's it's, it's just hard. doesn't have a lot of standards already because of a lot of reasons. Right, and it's. Uh, do you remember rival schools? Vaguely, there were some American students in there. Um, so it was all these and Japanese how much minstrelism was in it, Becca. Oof, too much. Eddie is too much. A bit of a bit of oof. Um, so like, yeah, there is the uh, came, coming over from the United States was the white jock dude who was into football, American football, not soccer. Hey. Um. Uh, who eventually, in the epilogue of the game, showed that he became the president of the United States. Um, there was a girl that came with him, and I can't remember what she was into. And then there was this guy. Um, and, yeah, he was just, I'm the black guy from the United States. <laughs> Heaven forbid, Did he? was he a runner? I don't think he was. He was more kind of big, brutish, moved slow. Um, oh, the other bad stereotype. I see. He wasn't unintelligent. He was more like, I'm standing by your side no matter what. Like, kind of... Well, that's, that's not too bad. Kind of paladin feeling, but like the... the uh... But was he was he definitely a second string character to the other two? <sighs> Honestly, I remember him more than I remember what the girl is, so... But maybe that's because... <laughs> that something about the intersection of different types of... Yeah, but I definitely things in my life. I definitely, definitely I definitely definitely remember uh uh the, the the football player Jock becoming the president of the United States later because I guess he and Metal Wolf Chaos uh Mr. President are my two favorite presidents in video games perhaps. Um so <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're both very very good. It's uh whenever anyone's like because the presidential system is like a four-year cycle. You can often tell when something was made by after whom they modeled their stand-in, not actually the president-president. Oh. Oh my. Yeah. And sometimes you watch certain anime and be like, ah, that's when Obama was president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a few of those, wasn't there? Because, like, that was, like, the the callback at the moment. And you can tell when it's like, ah, oh, that was when Regan was president. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's very interesting to me. Yeah, the yeah. The presidents that people make. Oh, yes. Very yes. Yeah, so that's, um... Uh... Oh, apparently Reflection might have been the first uh, smart doll in Coco. Uh, yeah, so he's been doing very well with it, though it is... Oh, no. Reflection was the first one that was uh, the semi-real. She's quite pretty. Do you know when this was? Uh, it wasn't that far into the smart doll life. It like smart A lot of the basic smart doll um, like merc, merc, not merchant marketing. <laughs> marketing tactic is I see you have done these places all the other doll companies I'm going to go after the people you aren't catering to and you aren't making this accessible to. Right. As a tactic of, like, getting customers. And it worked. Yeah, I remember... I'm definitely... wondering. I ask because I am wondering, did Twiggling do her thing first? Oh, no, yeah, or... she definitely, definitely, definitely did. Which is worth mentioning because I remember her being a big deal at the time. Because she was... Um, Twiggling, if you're not familiar, is one of the indie... 
I what I personally have labeled the indie hobby of creators. And very famously, very early on, made a series of, it still does, makes these beautiful dolls with bodies that have interchangeable proportions. Oh. Where you can get short thighs or long thighs. You can have long torso, short torso, and any combination thereof um, going into like nearly every piece of the doll. And also was went and said, I am sculpting dolls based off of a variety of types of people in a, in a stylized but realistic mode. One of which being definitely here is a black person, a variety of brown peoples. Like, um, like actually like specifically went after this saying, I want to see this and then casting it in the range of browns that is that humanity comes in his beautiful colors. So roughly around 2011, <laughs> 2013, when no one like that wasn't really happening. We were getting a lot of like Ipple House was doing realistic faces, which then like began to kind of bring in like prove to the the market that there is a demand and people will pay a premium to access this. And then Twiggling was like. I'm also doing this and it's an indie creator with a fairly like this is a high price point. Yeah. But you went this is like I want to lean into this diverse beauty. Which was really cool. <laughs> and she and she's very mindful that way as a creator. She's also like very environmentally conscious went through a recent just a complete um experimentation stage of trying to find um eco resin that would work. Oh. That must have been a pain in the butt. It was! <laughs> so, um, But has succeeded. So I do want to mention, um, I had almost completely forgotten until I was looking through the discontinued portion of the website here. Um, where was it? Like, I forgot that there used to be the very much more blue-toned cocoa skin from Smart Doll. Which everybody said oh. didn't quite look like real skin. It wasn't tan, certainly, but it's not the very brighter sort of brown that's today. It almost feels like it's kind of muted. Yeah. Pastel in a way. Um, so looking at Smart Doll Moonlight, she was released in 2017. About a year later in 2018, we start to see the normal sort of... Normal normal sort of browns um, that we see now em emerge. Um, Which is all very recent considering that the hobby really kicked off in 2005. Yes. So, um, Danny's still working on sculpts. Uh, unlike Twiggling, which is, she's straight up sculpting just like just like uh, Eiffel House did. Um, she's sculpting and giving those sculpts definite forms that represent uh, those facial structures a variety of people right um a lot of these smart dolls that go between cocoa color and tea color and milk color and cinnamon color now um are all the same sculpt um he's trying to get new ones in there but they're mostly kind of one one gets released in all colors um yeah so it's good to see that it's not only the color that people are starting to consider, but also the sculpt itself. 
Didn't folks release something? Uh, so they got a deeper skin tone, which is called Ebony. And they had their SD16 line, which was Ruby, I believe, was the one that was the Cocoa sculpt. Um, it's still not as dark as Danny Chu's color. Not yep. quite. Folks, Irvine. Yep. Folks, Irvine was an elf, and he was also released in this dark skin tone. Um, oddly enough, this ebony described skin tone had been, I thought, released a year or two ago for um, the SD to 16s was released, which released earlier than I anticipated this year. I think they released in the full custom service for October. Great. Um, and they usually do November, I think, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, and they had a fourth skin tone, but it wasn't called that. It was called something else. I'm curious if the website's still up. I guess I'll take a peek, but I don't think it is. Um, speaking of which, uh, do you want to speak a little to to the food motif? Oh, gosh. That we so, see. A lot of a lot of people, when... They are, say, not a part of a brown or black community. We'll go to describe the skin of a person who is. And we go from things like her skin was pale, like the finest moonlight, to her skin was as dark as a chocolate cake. Or nut brown. Or, like, food? <laughs> and it's so consistent that it's food. When there are so many, if you want to be poetic, other options where the where you're transforming a person's complexion into a consumable object that is meant to be consumed in a way that is so consistent it gets a little old and a little tiresome and is more than a little frowned upon. So you look at companies and half the time, we've already touched on this, you have quote-unquote normal you have a tan okay descriptive you have a pink or a like a pinky normal or like and or the white is called like snow skin and the moment you get anywhere darker it's like chocolate again <laughs> it's always chocolate cocoa and chocolate cocoa chocolate consumable particularly like foods that are like, could be easily tied to labor practices in Africa somewhere. And, because, like, cocoa harvest is a whole thing. And it is so consistent <laughs> that we have, like, we can use normal words or poetic words for everything. And then once we get to brown, they're like, chocolate, though. <laughs> and it's not, oh, it's, like, it's legit an issue. Like, why is it so hard? to call something brown or black. Why is that something we're not comfortable doing when we can go snow skin, though? Normal skin. And then you get to brown and black skin tones that brown and black people would recognize as reflecting themselves, and you have to start going into food. It's like, once you... like I If you haven't noticed this, just look at a bunch of different websites of different mainstream BJD creators, and you'll, you'll realize... 
every single time. It's like poetic in a way that once you start really looking at it, you're like, you know, this isn't particularly comfortable. And then you'll look at people who are making a distinct effort to avoid those conventions. Like a lot of indie folks, if they're going to be using food to talk about skin tone, everybody get it. Everybody's a food. Or are there different things? Or are, there, or are they just like, but what is so hard to say brown? Now, I, I had a counter argument to this, which is most people don't invest in a calibrated Pantone index. But then why is snow skin okay? We have, I have been to websites where we have pink, white, blue toned white, like as, a, as doll like labels. And there's a whole bunch of color-based, like, ways of nuances of explaining it. Why can't we just say brown? I, I still think that it's, it might partially be what you're saying, but it also might be attempting to use food as a cultural panatone to describe mm. what we're talking about. I mean, it is it's so problematic. Consistent. It is problematic in context because... You, you, if you say cocoa and then you say normal, but in Danny Chu's case where it's milk, but, cinnamon, but everybody gets to be a food there. Milk, cinnamon, so at least everyone's tea, being the same. Cocoa. <laughs> we've we've introduced this Pantone, which is the shortcut of food, which is normally cocoa is around the same color for most people teas around the same color for most people cinnamons around the most co same color for most people milk wasn't really milk unless you're getting it straight from the cow i suppose but we also know danny chu is approaching his audience differently danny yeah. chu saying i want to make dolls that look like people who have never been able to access that before yeah, and then his his naming conventions follow, where instead of having a normal and a tan and then a chocolate or cocoa, he goes here is tea, cinnamon, milk, everybody's food. Yeah, and I think, uh, and and I will also say that throughout history, what a, the correct way to call someone who is black like has changed well because social expectations and <laughs> acceptable really depends on who's defining the acceptable to be fair yeah but i feel like it's so it changes and then people are like well i don't know what the person who reading this is will think is acceptable so instead i will just use a food rather than whatever current nomenclature might be okay within their own country especially when they sell to multiple countries but why does it have to be food why can't it be and this is an example i was reading um in a really excellent thread on twitter why can't it be her skin was as dark as a midnight sky because midnight skies are much darker and bluer are they yes real ninjas wear blue because blue matches the midnight <laughs> sky this i but realized from gaijin when we are snow skin, when we are nowhere near the color of snow. I mean, the snow skin dolls that are called snow skin are actually like white. All of this is poetry. Yeah, I, I get this. And 
but there's consistency in the poetry and how it's always a consumable object the way food is is a problem to which i say what is the what is the acceptable alternative call them brown call them like black but uh, if you're allowed to say those things i guess i just I don't know. I don't know if it works across crunchies, if it, if it works across cultures. Um, I, I cannot say because I'm not from every culture, every country, every time. Um, I feel like I feel like people probably felt like using a food was a safer bet. <laughs> I'm it sure they feel the color. that way. But, it, but it's the consistency in the pattern that shows that there's still a problem of thinking. Yes. Yeah, and I and I I agree, I agree. Yeah. What what else could be brown? Brown it like bark. Brown on a like a tree. Tree, but then trees have brown a lot of Brown like things. rich loam earth. Brown <laughs> like there are so many brown things. Like yeah, I feel like any of these could work. There's there's a way. Like there is a way. Is the the main point? As long as you are trying to break free of this sort of stereotypes of thinking that you've been given by a society that has a certain way of thinking about things. Oh. Which includes countries such as Japan and China and Korea. They have a long history of racism and colorism, just like we do. It might be along different lines and different social lines and be expressed in different ways, but it's still there in all these places. Um, there's a lot of studies about colorism in Korea and the beauty industry, for example. Some of the most popular beauty projects literally bleach your skin whiter. That doesn't sound healthy. It's not. <laughs> a lot of if a beauty project says that they have a lightening, a whitening, or like a tone evening um, effect on you, it is bleaching. <laughs> bleaching is a little bit far for exactly what the thing is doing. But there is a chemical thing happening that is changing the pigmentation on the upper level of your skin. Huh. Oh, I they found... Co they code it very well, so it doesn't sound as weird as, like, what as that actually sounds when you describe it? But that is what they are doing. Um, you can look... There's a lot of studies in, the, like, the Korean beauty industry and the Japanese beauty industry about this. Um... There's a lot of really good papers on uh, racism in all sorts of societies. It's not the same, and the power structures are not the same, but it is there. And any society that says that we're not racist because people that, we're ra that we would be racist against doesn't exist, that's a problem, which is one problem that the Japanese government has, where they're like, we don't have a problem with racism. There's no one to be racist against. There's only Japanese people here. Yes, it's just as bad as you think it's <laughs> This is like conservative government talk. Um, not like every single human being, like every single human being in the United States is not of this mind. But it's like it's not until like within the last ten years that they apologized to Ainu. Yeah. For like taking their land and destroying their culture and doing the same a lot of the same things that a lot of like dominant cultures do to indigenous groups around the entire world, which is destroying culture by trying to rewrite it. Yeah, they were they were Japan before anybody else was Japan. That was their Japan. Yes. They were in they were in the upper north of Japan long before anyone anyone else showed up. And 
there's a very complicated relationship now that we're sort of like in this end of the pool of like talking about colorism and racism and how that we see that in the hobby and you can't just say oh it's japan it's different is that they may they have issues they might be slightly different lines of issues that you might not be familiar with but they're there and there's a whole level of society where it's like there's only japanese people here but there's people from iran there's people a lot of people from iran, a lot of people from the philippines live there a lot of people from korea and parts of china live there um chinese companies have this issue as well um the ethnic what is considered quote unquote ethnic chinese is a highly is like a highly controlled and is a project of the state to like every state tries to make it a project of like who gets to be a native quote unquote Chinese and who is the ones who have to be brought into the fold. And there is a colorism sort of um, like line upon which that is also broken against. It It is very prevalent in the cultures of the places that are making dolls that are meant to be representatives of an idealized person. And when the idealized person who is normal is white, that's an issue for our hobby. And I think there's a lot of people in the hobby who are really aware of this and are actively trying to change that. To be fair. But you can't just go, oh, but it's not America. You're right. It, you do have to look at it a different way because cultural context is really important. But it doesn't mean you don't look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, fair note, I did... I did manage to use the Wayback Machine to bring up uh, October. Oh, did my ranting give you time? Oh, yeah. October's uh, full <laughs> choice system. Uh, they're all called pure skin, but that's the new model of skin. That's, that, less... that's the type of skin, like, that's the new the, the resin. Material. Right. That's the resin that's. Um, the resin itself is a new formulation. Right. That's resistant to yellowing more. So it's called fair is what the old normal is called, which I do like better. I like it better. That fair is pretty cool. White is the one that's almost papery white. That kind of makes sense. Tan. Okay. Tan we are a little interesting on because it's like, well, yeah, but that's just normal skin for some people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then we have what was used to be called ebony or perhaps it's a new tone yeah. they called this amber hmm see that's another brown thing that's a, and it's a more descriptive brown thing and i feel it is like a more descriptive brown thing i and if we were getting into geodes and gists i think there would be definitely some sort of rocks that would have uh and it would be like precious objects that have value right that would be pretty cool yeah i'm trying to I mean, I would, like a, I would like a lie that's named after gemstones. That would be kind of cool. We have like pearl and obsidian. Well, I think I, I also understand it. Like gem descriptions for skin tones gets a little little wonky potentially. It's uh, also like the consumable as opposed to the powerful and self-identified. But like, it's it's not chocolate. It's not. It's not an edible. I mean, that's the, like I said. This is where we're going. Like, yeah. Like, how do you get away from calling somebody off of what you consider cultural norms 
without using the Pantone chart, but with using something that can describe everybody that everyone will know. I will say it is difficult for us to engage with this properly because we are not black people. No. And I don't think either of us have read a significant amount of black people writing in poetry and in, and, and in fiction about themselves. No, but there is actually, I hope there still is, a, a whole museum in Philadelphia that just has a collection of antique black dolls. That's so cool! That I very much wanted to go to, and I very much want to interview, but it feels their website went down now, and I hope COVID didn't oh, eat them. Oh, they're okay. I hope COVID didn't eat them. Yeah, it was like called the, Phil- the, the, the Doll Museum of Philadelphia or something, and now it's just... That is neat! It's just not right now, and it makes uh. me, make me sad. So talking about dolls in history, let's talk about the study done... Well, at least published in uh, 1947. Uh, let's see. I wrote there uh, by Kenneth and Mammy Clark. In this study, um, there was two dolls. They couldn't find a doll in the day. That It's not that they didn't have black dolls. They had black dolls, as proven by this whole doll museum in, in P- Philadelphia. They couldn't find a black doll that was similar in quality, size, and everything else, in other words, to to perform the scientific test, because they had to make the only major difference in the doll be the color of the doll. And And not, like, its quality or its material, because then you, like, ruin this experiment, right? Right. So they had to, they made the doll's hair black, I'm assuming, because they, in this what wasn't there in the abstract, but was in the New York Times article we read, they actually had to paint the doll a brown color. Mm. So then they added, ended up with two dolls. Uh, Two of these dolls were brown with black hair and two were white with yellow hair, um, is the description from the 1947 abstract. Um, it's really cool, the scan from the New York Times that's right in the Times article. Um, it's like all yellowed and you can kind of see the next page through the page. Makes me very happy. Um, so they went and interviewed a bunch of children. Um, 253 exact. With these dolls. Um, they gave them a series of eight questions. Um... Now, I do have to say, perhaps I'm hoping they did, like, I don't know if you've ever seen in the BJD hobby when somebody paints a doll versus when somebody, like, airbrushes a doll versus when somebody dyes a doll. I'm hoping that the fact that the doll was just painted didn't skew the study. But, you know, that's what they had. That's what they worked with. Um, They were unclothed except for white diapers, these dolls. Mm. It mentions the position of the head, hands, and legs on all the dolls were the same. Uh, For half of the subjects, the dolls were presented in the order white-colored, white-colored. Once again, this word colored is coming directly from this page 169 of this. um, We're using the terms that the scientists were using at the time. Yes. um, Within their own context. Yes. Um, Which may or may not be acceptable nowadays. Yeah. For the other half of the order, presentation was reversed. 
So you have the black doll, the white doll, the black doll, the white doll, uh, to use modern terminology. If I, if I use terminology from this, um, uh, article when I'm quoting from it, please, please forgive me. I am just, I am simply quoting directly from the article. Um, the questions were thus, give me the doll that you like to play with or like the best. Give me the doll that is a nice doll. Give me the doll that looks bad. Give me the doll that is a nice color. Give me the doll that looks like a white child. Give me the doll that looks like a colored child. Here's a, here's a harsh one. Give me the doll that looks like a Negro child. Give me the doll that looks like you. In early testing, they said it was found necessarily to prevent the preference requests in the uh, a certain order because once you ask question eight, give me the doll that looks like you, it starts to influence the answers to the rest of the, the questions, right? Because if you say this doll looks like you, you want it to be the nice doll and everything. However, if you don't ask that person first, you don't introduce the ego into the question. Um, and they found that at this time, both both white children and black children at a significant percentage considered the black dolls to have more negative traits. Both of them. Mm-hmm. They made an effort. Um, let's see. What was my... Uh, uh, rationalization of rejection of the brown doll found in both northern and southern children so they made an effort to actually find children from the north and northern schools and children the south and southern schools and they tried to in the northern schools find schools that were segregated and commingled and found the same in the south that was harder to find some of these in both directions um as a side note, I find it interesting. Like, I know why they were focusing on what they call the North and the South, which, to be to be clear, is only like half of America. <laughs> it's the Northeast is what they're really talking about, and the Southeast is what they're really talking about. And I am pretty sure they had no child from Washington State. <laughs> yeah, um, interesting. I wonder if it actually tells me. I wonder if I can see really quickly. I have I bet it. If you. If, they should have a list of the states that they were pulled from. I would sit, I would think as uh, part of their data points. Let's see. Segregated nursery schools and public schools in Hot Springs, Pine, Pine Bluff, and Little Rock, Arkansas. So Arkansas. All right, that's, um, that's like south, middle, south, but east, southeast. Uh, those are segregated schools. Were tested in the racially mixed nursery schools and public schools of Springfield, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Northeast. Uh, and I think that is the two spots that they mentioned specifically here. They might not have had an actually wide. Um, well, I mean, they're geographic. It was, you know, it was 47. <laughs> Took a little longer to get around, I'm supposing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but like it, like the, the point still stands what they were attempting to do. Yes. Um, They're trying to go in, like, traditionally very differently cultured um, areas of the United States. Now, of interesting note, um, there was this one note at the end of the study, which they pointedly pointed out in the New York Times article as well, 
that once you ask the last question, the game, they, they, they presented it as, as like a game and show me this thing and play like with these children to make it a less stressful environment. But once you ask that last question, uh, once you ask, give me the doll that looks like you, everything changed in that moment. Uh, some of the children who are free and relaxed in the beginning of the experiment broke down and cried or become somewhat a negative, negative, negativistic during the latter part when required to make self-identifications. Two children ran out of the room uncons unconsolable, convulsed in tears. Mm-hmm. And I can I can imagine, especially being one of the black children, saying, like, because this is what they were told, that these people, like, this person that looks like me is lazier and things like that, because that's what society's telling me. And then they sell, tell them, okay, now that you've been pointing at that doll all along, which of the dolls looks like you? Like you. Like. And kids are really definitely sensitive to judgment calls being made by people around them yeah and they they did um a range in age from three to seven years old so they're because they were trying to um figure out like is, is it something that's is this an age thing like a lighter. developmental mental right and i i highly recommend you read the study because it's all very interesting um and they you had a mix of male and female subjects they had a, a, a range of skin colors, uh, light, medium, and dark. Interestingly, when they're talking just in the paragraphs, they use terms like black, white, Negro, colored. But when it comes to skin color of subjects in this little chart, it's light, medium, and dark. I'm like, well, you did it there. Couldn't you be done it in the rest of the gosh darn art <laughs> right? You had it. You had it right yeah. here in 1947. <laughs> Why? Why must you be like this? And I mean, and it says these results indicate a clearly established knowledge of a racial difference in these subjects and some awareness of the relation between the physical characteristic of skin color and the racial concepts of white and colored. Knowledge of the concept as Negro is not so well developed as the more concrete verbal concept of white and colored as applied to racial differences. So like it's, it's, I feel like they had to use it within the context of it because they were trying to prove a point of racial prejudices, so they had to use the terminology. Racially charged terms. Yeah. Um, so, these little brown painted dolls in 1947 changed history in 1954. In 1954... Brown versus Board of Education was tried in court of law in the U.S. And the because of this study, this ruling from this court session mandated the desegregation of American schools. Mm -hmm. Because of these little brown painted dolls... These 253 um, students from the ages from three to seven that were in interviewed created scientific evidence that was used in a court of law that created the desegregation of American schools. And of course, with oh, that, heck yeah. 
And of course, with once you desegregate schools, you know, you got to desegregate your fountains, you got to desegregate your bathrooms, you got to desegregate your buses. Mm-hmm. It started. It's. I mean, I didn't start here, but this was. It a, was. A, it. It ended up being an important piece. Yes. Now, interestingly. The reason the New York Times wrote an article, it was actually 10 years old by the time I read it, but that's fine. Um, it was in uh, April 28th, 2010. Um, oh, who wrote the dang article? I should probably mention that. So the title of the article is Study White and Black Children Biased Towards Lighter Skin. Um, article says CNN's Jill Biliante and Chuck Haddad continued contributed to this report um there's a small video that actually goes with it um so they tried to kind of recreate it but in a in a modern context um this time it was a slightly smaller study it was only 133 children um rather than having dolls um which you know you and i are slightly sad about um uh, mm-hmm. They chose, they actually had a chart that showed 10 skin tones. Um, the, the first paragraph in the article is, a white child looks at a picture of a black child and says she's bad because she's black. A black child says a white child is ugly because he's white. A white child says a black child is dumb because she has dark skin. Um, so this is... American school children in 2010 remarking upon questions and using this chart. Um, let's see. In each school, the psychologist tested children from two age groups, four to five and nine to ten. Um, and basically, they showed that white children as a whole responded with a high rate to what researchers, researchers called white bias. Um, so they generally identified their own skin tone with good attributes and darker skin tones with bad attributes. Um, they didn't talk too much about bad self-identifying as much as the other report did, which is good. Um, and I think that also might be because of the old, the old, uh, study only had A or B, right? Mm-hmm. There's only two options. Here we're working on a gradient scale, but what they're trying to investigate is on a slightly different set of lines. Right. So they're they're recreating the other study, but with recreating it with a little bit more nuance. So if I'm if I am a darker skin tone, if I'm like an amber color that that reminds you of the Middle East and Cleopatra, who is actually probably much darker than we think. Um, <laughs> Also, I recently learned, and this is a whole thing about the way education is biased, Cleopatra wasn't African, wasn't Egyptian even. She's from Greece. Oh, yeah. The way she's portrayed, she's from Greece? (laughs) She was a Grecian, like, person who came in. And anyway, uh, it was just blew my mind, like, more examples of the bias and what we learned but yeah 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 so uh, which reminds me of the 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 cleopatra section in Nguendon when she had to lose weight for mark anthony uh, there's a whole place to go with that <laughs> there's yeah it's that's a big long thing big which is thing. 
about like, oh, really? <laughs> but um, yeah, like, like that is to say, like a lot of like toys, toys collecting, like BJD may seem like a small part of the world, but things that look like you and where it sits in the greater social context really matter. Yeah, and having a doll that is black and is a scientist and having like action heroes that are the black guy that don't die first in the movie and like the normal like allowing all sorts of people that look look like all sorts of people be not only the hero of the story but be an ordinary person in the story without being slotted into some predefined box that someone else has made and like in the bjd hobby we can really see a reflection because dolls like your the study we just talked about shows dolls are a way of seeing ourselves as a separate thing but we project on humanoid forms so intensely a child fell into tears when asked to identify with a doll that they had been calling bad yes children cry all the time but that kind of running from the room if i i i work in a school if i see a young child bolt from a room in tears something has gone horribly wrong oh i almost forgot the context of which you were viewing this study (laughs) (laughs) this you are talking about almost exactly the age range that i work with every day wow i didn't i didn't this might be very interesting for you to read through the stuff i'm i'm very interested to read through each individual like like verbal response and things like that in the long form of it please jstor give it to me (laughs) jstor may it may indeed (laughs) but like um when you're working with like in this in the the sort of more intense older study and even in the newer one, the age range you're working with, kids are very emotional, but they aren't not for no reason. It may seem like a like to an adult, it might seem like no or a bad reason, but there is always a reason that matters to that kid. And there's there's something interesting about the age groups at which they did this questioning with, because. The concept of empathy it develops around second grade. Yes, yeah, so- it's, it's it's kindergarten, first grade, which um, for the uninitiated is like six and seven, is where you start really developing a sense of other people have different feelings than me. So, and that is interesting because by by interviewing those children before that age of the empathy really fully ticking in fully and being mm-hmm. developed. That means when you're asking the other questions, the child isn't already jumping to question eight in their mind. And it's not until you ask question eight do they then identify and realize what the thing's about. (laughs) And for a three-year-old, they might not be able to easily separate themselves from a representative of themselves because they may very much more literally than you might imagine identify with the object as themselves. Yeah, and in they a might be real way. And they might not even realize they're doing it or the empathy not might not kick in until question 8 and all of a sudden 
Now it's about themselves, and now they just said everything about themselves that's terrible. And then let's take a sidestep to a mostly, like, young adult to adult hobbyist because of the money you need to really get into a BJD hobby. What does it mean when we have a hobby that says, brown people, you're not normal? You're not normal. You have to pay extra for this. Also... There's no, t there's next to no tutorials on how to paint dark pigmented heads because they're harder to get. It's more expensive. There's less of them. They're, they're not always, they're presented in ways that might be microaggressions to your lived experience. How many people, I wonder, who might have been interested and brought something so cool to a hobby that's all about having this imagination on this blank canvas in front of you that through monetary access and the hostility of the basic presumptions of the fandom have never been able to enjoy it. and Or have never been able to have access Yeah, at all. To, to a doll that they can protect, project themselves as being beautiful upon. Exactly. Um, so, so simply. By the by, when you're when you're painting on it, because I I do have the three um, Coco Mirai heads, uh, the Cortex ones. You actually have to use much brighter pigments and many more layers for it to come out. It's like it's much different than painting on a blank uh, a black canvas. Because usually when you're painting on a black canvas, you use kind of some starker brighter colors but if you do that on normal human skin it looks kind of dumb <laughs> so if, you have there's which a different is way and a different set of colors that you need to lean into yeah which this is, is something i've seen a lot of beauty bloggers talk about um a lot of black beauty bloggers are like i'll look at this tutorial and this does not work for my complexion my complexion requires you to step into a different way of thinking about pigments just because of the interaction between colors on my face Yes, and honestly, that might have been a very good thing to me to look at is actually look at beauty tips for black people because I struggled during that face-up and my first face-up in, in fear of using acetone to remove the lips, which I absolutely could not have done, and I didn't want to strip the whole face-up. I actually used a craft knife to gently scrape the layer of, of bright peachy pink lipstick that I put on off after I had done multiple layers of a too light, not bright red enough pigment to come up on the the dark brown cocoa mm -hmm. skin tone. Ebony, whatever we want to call it at this point, but yes, that brown color. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, even in something simple like that, like, not only does this take away from brown and black people who could have a great old time, but it also takes away from those of us who aren't. Yes. In a different world, the way that beauty is framed and the way that it is disseminated to us in general culture, you would have known what to do. Yeah. And I want to... So, I want to have a darker skin doll in my collection because of the simple color theory behind it because colors look differently because bright colors look differently because dark colors look differently because 
putting pastels or things like that on a darker canvas looks pretty fun. And I wanted to play around with that. So for me to jump in and my first like, like reaction is I can't paint this doll's head. <laughs> Please help. Um, the culture has failed you at that point. Yes. I mean, culture has failed black people much more, but. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, no exception. Absolutely. But about, but, but like the millionth, has failed us. millionth step down the line is me uh, trying to paint this head. <laughs> yeah. It is, it, it is an example of how you can go into discussions like the one that we've engaged in here going, why does this matter? Why should we, like, you're overthinking it. Why are you trying to bring this into this space that for me is really comfortable? And the answer is, but it's not. It's not comfortable. It's only comfortable because you have the privilege to not look at how it's uncomfortable. It's always been uncomfortable for a lot of people. Oh, yes. Many, and many, the many. only way to change that is to go, hey, this is here. Why don't we change it a bit? Huh. So, um, if you'd like to share your stories about Coco, uh, black colored dolls, and yourself uh, with us, uh, you can reach us on Twitter, Gmail, Blogspot, Facebook, YouTube. Um, of course, we are on iTunes. Um, we are also on Stitcher. We are also on Google Play. Um, uh, iTunes has a comment feature. Um, we <laughs> are, all of these are linked to our website at ningyobingo.com. N-I-N-G-Y-O-B-I-N-G-O.com. Um, so yeah, get, drop us a line. Tell us what you think. Um, tell if you would, if you would like more episodes like this, uh, discussing culture and the hobby um, human culture, current events. Where do where do dolls fit into this crazy world of 2020, which will hopefully be close to the way out by the time this gets released, um, maybe within 30 days of the end of 2020. Not that everything will magically change in 2021, but we can we can hope. <laughs> we can hope. We can always. It is important to keep yourself looking forward. And not getting lost in the now. Yeah. So, as you are, uh, as Lindsay did between the episodes, uh, idly looking <laughs> through the chaos section of Danny Chu's website, seeing what's on really sale. good. I hate that I like some of the things more than I used to. Yeah. <laughs> remember. Smart things to want. Remember to keep on collecting dolls. And keep a budget. <laughs>